a world filled with pain, loss, and questions. It is reported that one in 10 will experience this devastating loss. But what if you experience three or four or five? Our guest today is Amanda Parker. She's the founder and vice chair of the board of a ministry called Still Remembered. Amanda experienced the pain of five losses through miscarriage, but God has used her pain for good. I'm Maria Stockman, your host, with Ron Moore, and this is Fresh Faith. Thanks for joining us today. We have a new guest with us on the podcast, and we are so excited for today's discussion. So let's jump into this week's episode. Amanda Parker, welcome to our podcast. We appreciate you being here. I am so excited to be here. Now, um, Amanda gets so tired of me telling this story. But every time I introduce Amanda to anybody, there's a backstory here. Of course. Um, Amanda's mom, Marla Brassfield, moved into Perry, Oklahoma when she was a junior. And right off the bat, became the lead twirler. What's the official name for that? Drum major. Well, there was the drum majorette. She was the drum majorette. Yeah. And... Perry's a little town, and it's kind of hard to click into the clicks, right? <laughs> so your mom had a, didn't have the same experience in Perry that I had. But we have this, uh, um, Amanda's grandparents were really well-known in a little town close to us called Mulhall, Orlando area. And so um, I think that the first time I met Amanda, she came up after sermons that I know where Perry, I've been there, I know where it is. My mom was from there. And so it's just so cool. I always have to tell that story. You get tired of me telling that story. No, I don't get tired of it either because (laughs) I tell it to people also, like, just how cool it was to be so far away from home and to have just a little connection of, like, I'm not so far away from home because there's other people here, too. (laughs) And now there's one person laughing at your Perry, Oklahoma jokes. (laughs) I know it. I know it. I just, uh, when I have a Perry story... I just find uh, Amanda and Nathan in the I'm audience. I'm always like, woo woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a private moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I have another story. So um, uh, we have four children, and uh, our oldest daughter, Brittany, and our third child, Laura, uh, became pregnant about the same time. And, and I'll, I'll never forget them different times, but sharing uh, with us that they were going to have a baby, and we were so excited. And after about a month or so, I think Brittany's first um, checkup, the sonogram showed some, showed some concerning things with the baby and uh, um, learned from that then that the baby had trisomy 18, where the 18th chromosome uh, has some malfunction, and uh, most trisomy 18 babies uh, are stillborn. Um, they, they don't last through pregnancy. Uh, many of them have a really difficult time being born. If they, if they make it through birth, they don't last long. Living a month would be a long time for a trisomy 18 baby. So, so we had these two things going on. We had, uh, we had Brittany and, and Laura that were so excited to you know, go through pregnancy together, and now uh, you know, this, is, this is a different path than we desired and that we had prayed for. And so... Um, uh, Jay, uh, his name was Jay. We uh, usually the kids don't share the names with the kid, with the babies until after they're born. But uh, uh, Brittany and Josiah uh, shared uh, Jay's name earlier on because we were praying for Jay, and and uh, we got a call one night. Brittany was in labor and went to the hospital, and we waited out there with uh, Josiah's folks, and finally uh, found out that uh, Jay was always it was cool because we knew she was in labor, and. Uh, we got this. Uh, we went. We went home, and we said, "Okay, call us. You know, whenever things happen." And we got this text from Josiah saying, "Come now." That's all he said. <laughs> he uh, usually is it has more words than that, but <laughs> "come now." And so we headed to uh, the hospital, and we waited, and 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 uh, Jay was born, and we got to hold Jay and be with Jay, and then uh, went back home, and 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 then the next morning we learned that he had passed away. When we went back to the hospital to be with uh, Brittany and Josiah just a little bit after Jay had, had passed, we thought that they had switched rooms from the night before. And so we went to the desk, and there on the desk was a box. And it was from the Still Remembered Project. And uh, I remembered when Lori and I saw that, and we were pretty emotional because 
uh, we knew that came from a ministry, Amanda, that you lead. And uh, to have heard about that and then to be standing right there with the box, we, we just, oh, this is for Jay, was, was pretty emotional for us. So we wanted to talk with you today for several reasons, but still remember Project being one of them. And we're going to get to that in a second. First, share your story. We're going to get to the Still Remember Project, which is a trem- tremendous ministry. But um, God took you on quite a path to uh, put in your heart uh, the vision for this ministry. So, so tell us a little bit about your story and how God uh, put you on that path. So my husband Nathan and I were thinking, oh, okay, we're going to try to have kids. Like, oh, this, you know, this is an exciting time, and we tried and tried and tried and tried and nothing happened for a long time and it was about a year in whenever we got pregnant the first time and that baby got to about six and a half weeks gestation um, and I found out at about 10 weeks along that that baby had stopped growing and that things were not good and at that time I had just given my notice to my previous employer. I was about to embark on consulting. And rather than being an engineer in the big corporate world. And two weeks after that, I turned 30, which was kind of like my, my hope that I would at least have had a child by 30. Like I wanted to be on that trajectory, on that journey by 30. And so it was kind of one of those, all of those things were taken away from me all at once. And then right after that, we lost all of our contracts, my business partner and I, we didn't have any money coming in and we didn't have any clients. So within a month, I went from, Mm. I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to have this new adventure as well with work and to, oh my gosh, like everything has fallen apart. Mm. And... Uh, we went on a total of a five-year journey trying to have children and had five miscarriages over that time. I was so angry, was so bitter, uh, was so felt so alone, even though I was well-connected here at the church. I had a strong women's Bible study, a group of women that were surrounding me in prayer, that were standing with me. But it's just such a lonely journey because you feel like, am I really a mom? Am I not a mom? Because I don't know anything about my children. Some of them, the loss was so fast. I'm like, did it actually even happen or did I imagine it? Because three of them, I found out I was pregnant and a week later I lost the baby. And so it's like, did that actually happen or did I just... Did I just dream it? Do it? Is that really a child I'm mourning or not? And so the, it was a, a struggle and a very much alone time. And, and to think that really God is the only one that has control here mm-hmm. was a huge faith struggle for me of thinking, I know that I didn't really have anything that I did. That's what everybody tells you. That's what medicine tells you. Like, some of the sometimes this just happens and being a having an engineering background i was trying to figure out the problem solving of this <laughs> like there's got to be something i can do here mm-hmm. um, and looking at the statistics like having one miscarriage not uncommon two you're getting more by the time i was at like 3 or 4 when the doctors would continue to tell me you'll be fine you'll be fine i was like how do you know that yeah, obviously I am not. Fi- obviously, mm-hmm. there is something wrong that we don't know, mm-hmm. that you don't know, that medicine doesn't know, that none of us can figure out. There, there has to be something because I'm in like the one percent mm-hmm. um, of experiences here. Yeah. Amanda, stop there just a second, and you know, as you said, a woman has a miscarriage. It's it's devastating and mm-hmm. and not uncommon. And there are going to be a lot of women listening, yeah, who have had a miscarriage and. There's an emotion that you go through that a husband can't even 
imagine. We, uh, yeah. uh, Lori had a couple miscarriages, and and we tell our kids we're going to see that little baby in in heaven. Yeah. But as I think back, I I don't even know I engaged with Lori in the process. Yeah. And so, just talk to some husbands, right? What is their wife feeling? You mentioned several things. You know, did, did it really happen? Did it not happen? Because I didn't. I didn't get to hold the baby, right? Right. Um, I didn't get to give birth to the baby, mm-hmm. uh, the baby that's living. So, what are some of the emotions that they're going through? And how can a husband kind of uh, certainly be more engaged in that process? Excellent question, and a struggle we see time and time again as we've walked with people. I think. One of the most helpful things that anyone has ever done, husband or not, is acknowledging the pain and not not trying to fix it immediately because you can't fix it. And I always say you never start off a sentence with at least. At least you weren't far along. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, but but I I wanted to be, you know, any. I always say any sentence that starts with at least is always bad (laughs) (laughs) because it's always trying to like uh, minimize the pain like, oh, it's it's not really that bad. It could be worse. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I know this story of this other person that had five miscarriages and that's way worse. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I, I love about the rules of our support group that we've formed is we never compare grief. And I think that's a natural tendency that we think, oh, well. I went, you know, I, I lost my parent or I lost a, a sibling. Also a grief that's, that's well and good. And if you're able to be with the person in that, like thinking about Job and his friends where his friends sat and were with him and were quiet and mm-hmm. just being there with him, that that's what is needed. Yeah, like, then they started doing the at least. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a There's, great point. And at the the best time, uh, uh, in Job's story with his friends, they they just sat with him, which yeah. is a cool part of the story. But then they started talking. So that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, you need people just to be with you. Yeah, and be willing to just be there in the pain. And I I talked to a lot of my <clears throat> ladies that were with me in the trenches, and we talked about being in the foxhole together. You know, it it wasn't literal bombs going off, but it was. You know, there are storms going on in my life, and I need someone in the foxhole with me. Um, And I think that's where a husband and wife team can really be there for one another. But it's it. I know it's very hard for husbands to be like, I don't I don't want to be here. I want to be fixed. Mm -hmm. I want to be done. And there's really no like action to fix. The action is not an action. I think, mm-hmm. a lot of times. So that's a great uh, reminder just to just to, to be present, uh, to to be encouraging. Uh, I I love the don't start a sentence with at least. That's a, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's a pretty good reminder for <laughs> for, it, for a, all of us. Yeah, you know, tangible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, so you're going through this. So you have one miscarriage, and then yeah. And then two, and and time is going on, and it's it's really hard because you want to start that next chapter of your life. And I kept going, God, I want to get through this. Like, I know you're probably trying to teach me something here, and can we just teach and go? <laughs> Let's move on a little bit here. And he gave me a verse that became kind of the theme of my of my chapter, and it's Hosea 2, 14 and 15, which is about the Israelites and their, you know, awfulness and unfaithfulness. <laughs> and he says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. And to me, that was God telling me, I am putting you in the wilderness on purpose. 
And it's not to harm you. It's not to punish you. It is to allure you, to speak tenderly to you. And I really felt over time, this is a five-year process (laughs) we're talking about in like 15 minutes. Um, So I don't want to make it look like this was overnight or this was easy. Um, But learning that, that God wanted that intimate relationship and it was it was worth anything to have that intimate relationship mm. and i love then he says then i will give her back her vineyards and as i thought about that like vineyards take a long time it's a lot mm-hmm. of pruning it's a lot of work it takes years and and eventually the fruit comes but you you put a lot of effort in before any fruit mm-hmm. comes and so i just I just loved that verse to give me some hope that that God was going to speak tenderly to me, even though I felt like God was so distant. Like I was in a, I remember feeling like I was praying in a dark room, hmm. like in a dark stadium kind of room. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I am alone <laughs> in the Pittsburgh Steelers stadium hmm. and God is far away, but I am, but I'm praying because I don't know where else to go. And I thought about turning away and saying, forget it. If God, you wouldn't save my children, I'm done. And I, I started to go, hmm, what else would I do? Where else would I go? What else would I return to? And everything else I saw was like this checking out, kind of like self-medication, like either completely covering it up or pushing it down or ignoring it or... I'm just going to, like, be angry all the time. Or, you know, I saw these stories of people that had gone through hard things and mm, not really, like, dealt with it in their own way. And I was like, I I wasn't seeing healing. I wasn't seeing, like, they had found any sort of answers. And I was like, okay, well, then I guess the Bible's true that, like, really the only peace, the only comfort we find is in Jesus. And so it was like, okay, you know, I'm strapping in. Let's let's go. Mm-hmm. And teach me that lesson already because I'm ready to be done. <laughs> and so you went through this, you had five, you had five miscarriages. Yeah. And so uh, a time of hope and excitement and expectation and then devastation. Mm-hmm. And now a time of hope, excitement, and now a little concern and then devastation. And now a time of hope, but everything's guarded right from mm-hmm. this time on. Talk about Talk about after, you know, after your first miscarriage and then your second miscarriage. How, how, did you, how, how did you go through those times and what was your emotion and what were you thinking about God during those times? Mm. So if I found out I was pregnant, it was kind of a buckle-in situation. Like uh, after the first one, you're like, I have no joy at this news. I mean, I do, but it's like, <gasps> okay, like, <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. how is this going to go? Um, and you really try to, like, guard your heart that, you know, naturally as a woman, whenever you find out you're pregnant, you're naturally, like, already dreaming. You're already, like, bonding with this child. You're like, wow, this is amazing. What is happening inside me? You, like, can't even fathom yet. Uh, and so that that happens so naturally, and I think that's why miscarriage is so devastating, especially to women, because we have this, you know, real connection and also all the hormones to go along with it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and you just kind of, you hold on, hold your breath, and just take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And um, it, yeah, it, it takes the, the joy of those moments, um, walking through it again. And as I really dug into like, okay, God, you know, help me. Mm-hmm. I really resonated with Peter walking on the water because it said, you know, the wind started and he looked away and he sank. And 
so I, I visualize that all the time whenever I would find out I was pregnant. Like, okay, God, like I'm putting those blinders on because I cannot look, I cannot think about all those things that can go wrong because mm-hmm. they can go wrong and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what I can do is focus on you and, and move forward. Now with that, <clears throat> I also did everything I could to understand medically what could happen or what could be something I could do to be mm-hmm. caring for my body, for making sure I am um, being a good steward of what God gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did all of the testing that could have been indicators of a, uh, an issue for miscarriage. So there's a multiple, when you have multiple miscarriages, there's a panel of blood work that can be done, that there's lots of different blood disorders and autoimmune disorders that they're checking for that mm-hmm. could be an indicator of you're going to have trouble with miscarriage. So we did that. We did all all of the medical things that were reasonable to try to make sure we uh, we weren't being uh, ignorant that there could be something that could be helped that we could do something about. Mm-hmm. So I I always tell women like be uh, good. It's a good idea to check things out. Uh, from a medical standpoint with your medical provider to make sure you're healthy, to make sure there's nothing really wrong. So, uh, Amanda, did you, did you had five miscarriages. Was there a time when you said that I'm just not going to have a baby? I mean, this is devastating. We've, we've tried. Life has started. Life has ended. I'm, I'm not going to have children. Yes. And, and and how and what what was it like getting to that point? <laughs> yeah, because everybody tells you as you're going through that trying period, they're like, just relax, it'll be fine. Or once you give up, yeah, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, thanks. <laughs> Have you ever tried? <laughs> Yeah. Because over five years, you know, I've tried every mental exercise to. Okay, God, I give up now. Okay. Now yeah, I give up. Woo. <laughs> All right, universe. Take... It's like, oh, dear. <laughs> and it was. So my last two miscarriages, I had actually signed up for IVF. And. Because we thought, well, maybe there's just something about how things happen that it's not working out for us. So maybe that can help. And our insurance covered it, which is very rare. So we were very thankful for that. We thought, well, you know, if we can do this in a way that isn't going to leave us with a whole bunch of um, embryos that we would not be willing to give a chance then we're willing to do it. So we had talked with our doctor like, okay, you know, we're only going to have so many embryos so that we would be willing to do that many. So we worked it out how how we were going to do it. We're waiting for drugs. I'm calling the pharmacy like, why is this not working? (laughs) I need my drugs because if I miss this cycle, I have to wait another month. And that's just excruciating. I've already been through four years of this. Anyway. It was all God's, God's timing because I found out I was pregnant. And a week later, I lost the baby. Mm-hmm. And so they make you wait three months for your hormones and everything to balance out. And then in January, so it was October, January, uh, we signed up again. We did the same thing, and the exact same thing happened. Mm-hmm. I found out I was pregnant while I was waiting, and a week later, I lost the baby. And that was the straw that I said, I'm done. Hmm. Obviously, this is not a path that we should be taking. And I said, okay, we're done. And we started digging into foster to adopt. We went to a couple uh, information sessions on adoption and fostering. And we decided, you know what? If there's a whole bunch of kids in the foster system that need homes, we are willing to do that. And we went through the process of getting certified. And it was another thing of I had one thing in my house that wasn't finished that we needed to get done before we could get certified. 
We had ordered this cabinet. It took six weeks to get here. I'm on the phone. I'm like, come on, people. Like, I need to get this show on the road. Tell them you're from Perry, Oklahoma. <laughs> Things just happen just like that. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> Another eight weeks to wait. Yeah. And and it's just it's just not happening, not happening. And that was at the same time that uh, here at the chapel, we're having a night of transformation. And it was for women's ministry, and they were looking for stories. And at that point, I was starting to turn the corner of like, okay, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to have kids of my own. I'm okay with that because I believe that God will have something awesome for me, something of purpose, something of calling. He hasn't put me on this journey and in this place for no reason at all. And I had to hold on to that. It wasn't like a... Oh, epiphany that came down from on high. It was like survival of like, I had to believe that there was something I was here to do. And this is a five-year journey to get to that that point. To get to that point. And there was this call for stories of the night of transformation. And I felt such urgency to say, I need to tell this story because... It's not wrapped up with a pretty bow of like, oh, I had this beautiful newborn that I could show on the on the video. Um, it was a story story of hard, drawn out, like long term pain that led to acceptance. To le- that led to, I'm okay with what with what God has, even though that may not be my dreams. And they said, sure, we'll. We'll take your video. We'll take your story. And I was like, yay. <laughs> and I I got to share that. I got to document that, that moment in my life. And it was powerful and wonderful and cathartic to be able to say God is enough. And that his, his story, whatever that is, is going to be okay. And that was that was a powerful night to be a part of. And that was also ignorant of my knowledge where my story was about to change. Because then uh, that video showed on May 3rd and on May 10th, I found out I was pregnant again. And that was Mother's Day, which Mm. is the worst day for a bereaved mom. Uh, because especially for someone with miscarriage who doesn't have children here on this earth, um, enough people knew my story that they were always putting their arm around me mm-hmm. or something. Did you come to church on Mother's Day? Most of the time I would come on Saturday night mm. because it was easier to handle mm-hmm. on Saturday mm-hmm. than on the big Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always tell people it's okay to not come if it yeah. if it's hard. Yeah. And so that morning I found out I was pregnant and I was like, oh God, like that is that is not good news to a bereaved mom. Because I was like, okay, I'm buckling in for miscarriage number six. Um but little did I know that that baby was gonna make it. Hmm. Um and that little boy is now almost three and a half. Lori hmm. <laughs> <laughs> t- takes care of him in the nursery. He's, he's, yeah. he's one of the stars in there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, um, and that, so it's interesting. After he was born, you know, it was a whole nother level of the journey and chapter of the journey. You know, it, it continues to this day. Um, because three months after he was born was when my support group that I had turned to for years uh, that had grown out of the Pregnancy Resource Center, we were associated with them for a while, and this support group of women that had also lost babies, uh, we decided that we were going out on our own. We We wanted to do more. We wanted to have our own name, have our own mm-hmm. mission, and, and, and do this for, 
for our community. And so we started the Still Remembered Project when David was three months old. Mm. And um, as part of the one of the founding board members, I truly found it my mission to say I wanted to do something for moms of miscarriage, moms that miscarry. And so I lead the project called Still Missed, mm. which is specifically devoted to miscarriage. But obviously we have a broader scope like Jay's box can, is one of our memory boxes that mm-hmm. goes into all the hospitals in the Pittsburgh area for anyone who would deliver their child. So it's like 20 weeks and up mm. would get one of those memory boxes from the nurses. We we stock them on a regular basis so that they're there whenever it happens. And so they can be uh, resources. So Still Remembered Project, uh, a great ministry. We're gonna, we have the uh, website on our link here, so I encourage uh, everyone listening uh, to check out the website. Uh, but Amanda, tell us about all the aspects of the Still Remembered uh, Project. So you have... Um, a ministry uh, to to those uh, to to women who have gone through a miscarriage, and then you have a ministry to women who have um, given birth to a baby that's a stillborn. Well, mm-hmm. a stillborn baby, mm-hmm. one who given birth and then ha- has died. Um, and talk about all the different facets of ministry because it was pretty cool when when Laura and I were talking to even earlier on. Uh, there were different people in the organization where if this happened and this would be the best person to talk to, and if this happened, this would be the best person to talk with. And mm-hmm. so, just give us a give us a big picture of your uh, of Still Remembered Project Ministry. Yeah, we operate six projects. So the first one I mentioned, Still Missed, is for miscarriage. So that would be anybody that would have a loss where you're not delivering in labor and delivery, but may come into an emergency room or you might find out in an ultrasound or you might find out in a doctor's office that your baby has passed and you miscarry. So that care package is intentionally small because so many women have not shared openly about their pregnancy. We wanted it to be something they could easily tuck in their purse or take with them to be ministering to them but not have to advertise it mm-hmm. to everyone. And that's at the at the hospital or Those are office? being more distributed in the hospitals and offices in mm-hmm. the area. That's one of our missions for this year is to get them more into doctors' offices and figure out how to do the supply to that many places mm-hmm. because there's there's hundreds in the and, Pittsburgh area. And it seems like uh, the medical personnel are just very willing to to uh, distribute yeah. them. Yeah. And I know from my own journey, they always were like, you know, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I, I really had to struggle with that. Like, well, like, I'm not fine. And why aren't you not fine with me? <laughs> <laughs> and I came to the realization they see this all the time. And if they were to be as fallen apart with me and then with the next person and the next person, like they would never survive. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I can't look to them to be my counselor. I can't look to them to be, you know, my support person, but they can be compassionate. And so this is kind of a tool for, I call it my hug in a box because that's really about all you can do for someone. But for that medical professional to be like, you know, we we wanted to give you this. And I think that's a huge, hmm. huge thing to it's an act of compassion, but they don't have to be the therapist. Right. Right. <laughs> and so then the other project, the memory boxes is for anyone who would deliver. And so the objective of those is to help create memories. So it has a a blanket that you could wrap the child in. It has a haircutting kit to say, hey, you know, if they have hair, like snip some hair as a a remembrance thing. First haircut. Yeah, baby's Mm. first haircut is what it (laughs) says on there. And there's a bracelet, one that's size for the baby and one that's size for the mom. 
so you could like take pictures with the bracelets on and you know if you want to leave the bracelet with the baby or if you want to take it as a memento of their their size and you know uh, there's a picture frame because we're always encouraging taking pictures sometimes it's hard especially if a baby is stillborn because the their look may not be great um, and a lot of moms sometimes are like I don't I don't know if I want that I, I don't know you know it, it's hard mm-hmm. but many times later they come back and like do you still have those pictures like can I can I have them mm-hmm. so I know a lot of labor and delivery nurses have trained their staff on like trying to suggest these things and we try to do that also with our box mm-hmm. um, to get the things in there um, some uh, of the well I have one experience right but in that one experience uh, the nurse was also trained to take some pictures good uh, which I thought was was pretty cool yeah it was pretty cool it it uh, you know all, all the medical things she was doing we were so appreciative of mm-hmm. but now she's taking pictures it just kind of humanized yeah. her and the process and yeah. anyway so I know that's part of the a lot of times in the the nursing teams they will have a couple of nurses that actually volunteer for those assignments where mm-hmm. where they know that the baby either has passed or may pass soon because they've taken training they have a heart for it they they know what to do mm-hmm. um, and that's that's so cathartic and helpful and just appreciated by the families that you can have someone that knows what to do when you're like, I have no idea. Um, And that leads me into one of our other projects we call Still Family. And we were finding that some of these families who had a stillbirth um, or a miscarriage had living children that they're like, how in the world do I tell my three-year-old, my five-year-old, my seven-year-old what just happened, you know, because they they were expecting a sibling and now the sibling is gone. And so we found some great resources from Grief Watch. It's called uh, We Were Going to Have a Baby, But We Had an Angel Instead. Hmm. And it's just very simple book, um, but so touching to introduce what happened uh, to the baby. And so we provide those with a teddy bear and another little blanket. They're smaller than the memory box ones. And a hat for the bear and a bracelet for the bear with the intention that there's lots of small items that if there's multiple kids in the family that everybody can have a piece hmm. to remember their sibling by. Uh, and we've gotten great feedback from our partners that that it's such a helpful thing that a lot of times no one's thinking about the, the siblings because they're so focused on mom and baby that... Mm-hmm. Sometimes these siblings, you know, they, you know, they're running around the room and nobody's really helping them with mm. their grief. Mm-hmm. There's a, a great resource here in Pittsburgh called The Caring Place, which is a, a center for grieving children of, for any reason. Mm. So, they, so if you've lost a parent or if they've lost a parent or a, a brother or sister or whatever, um, we've partnered with them. They've hosted events to benefit our families, and we've gone to some of their things, and it's been really nice partnership. As, as our family network is starting to grow and we get more experience of, of not just small children but older children that we're trying to help, help get them connected with resources to help them mm-hmm. in their grief. And then I had mentioned that we had a we grew out of a support group. So we have continued that support group. We call it Still Supported. And it is a moms only uh, support group for bereaved moms. We are peer based. We don't actually have a counselor run it. Uh, there are other groups in the area that are couples. And also there are groups that are counselor run. We felt like you know, as you shared, sometimes guys aren't grieving the same way that, mm-hmm. that moms are. And so we thought there was a need for a moms-only group. And so it's all peer support. It's like, yep, I've been there too. And we can share those stories mm-hmm. that you may not be able to share in other groups of people that it's like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And 
you know, going through what we call a rainbow pregnancy, a pregnancy after having a loss, is something that regularly comes up in our support group of, you know, that fear of, oh my goodness, here I am again, and is the same thing going to happen? So that's, that comes up often, but it is, we've had people say, like, I've only gone to a couple meetings, but I felt like such a weight was lifted off my shoulders just by being with other people that have been there. Mm-hmm. And so we really, we really like to hear those stories. I mean, it, it helps us, it encourages us as well. And then we also have a project called Still Together that we advocate in our area for those who have experienced loss. So opportunities here would be in like in-service days with nursing staff. So they might invite us in to talk about caring for those who are experiencing this and what has been, you know, best practices and things like that. Um, Being able to, to spread the word that a lot of people you probably know have experienced this and just making the conversation not so taboo is the objective of mm-hmm. that of that project. Okay, so these are great, um, tremendous ministries. So still missed for mis- uh, those who have experienced a miscarriage, a memory box uh, for those who have uh, delivered uh, a baby or uh, maybe stillborn or may not have lived long. Uh, still family, I think that's so cool for the siblings. Uh, support groups uh, still supported. Uh, again, not um, not uh, professional counselors or any of that, but just uh, um, a true peer support group of people who have been through it. Second uh, Corinthians talks about you know God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. And then still together um, in service days that you guys go and and speak uh, with medical staff. So there's one more. Yeah, the last one is called Stitched with Love. And those are armies of crocheters and knitters that are making all the blankets that go in the memory boxes, the blankets that go in the sibling gifts, and all the little hats that go on the bears, that go on babies of all sizes. And it is amazing. I, I love to, to see whenever... We put out a call for blankets because that's the one item in any of our stuff we do not buy. You can't buy those things. Mm-hmm. Those, those blankets are only handmade. And we put out the call. We're running low on b- blankets. And it is amazing to see how far that goes. Mm-hmm. I shared at our luncheon last month that we put out a call and... It was shared 1,700 times on Facebook and had a reach of 170,000 people. That one post saying, hey, we need blankets. We're running low. (laughs) That's all it was. That's cool. (laughs) And so it's just amazing to see from that project the, the groundswell of community support, of people that want to be there for these families, that want to support them, and want to do that tangibly by spending hours of their time to make one blanket. Hmm. We have a link to the website, and all this is on the website. I just encourage uh, those listening to go check that out. Maybe you want to crochet. Is that the word? You could crochet or knit. Knit or crochet (laughs) a a blanket uh, or uh, just get more information. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I was just thinking about this. You know, having gone through this in our family, I I knew you had this cool ministry, but I'm sad to say I didn't know what it was all about. But then having gone through this in our family, we thought, oh, man, this is so cool, and we want to be a part of it. And I thought about, as Maria said earlier, there's not a family that's not, that hasn't been touched or a friend that hasn't been touched with this. And so to know this is out there, so we just encourage you to share this podcast, to know this is out there. Uh, can be so helpful for 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 many families going going through. They don't have to go through this alone. They don't right. have to go th- through this alone. So, Maria, you had a great um, question about um, friends of someone who has had a, a miscarriage and how you kind of walk through that with them. And and you know, I think any any time there's an illness or death, we we don't know what to say. 
we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. Uh, and so we end up sometimes just ignoring the person. And that's certainly not the way to do it either. So, Marie, you got a great question. And, Amanda, I'm, I'm excited to hear your answer. Yeah, when you were talking about earlier, when Ron asked the question about um, about the dads um, and what they're walking through, um, you know, r- during the the loss of the of the pregnancy, um, I just kept thinking, what do I do as a friend? I, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I personally know of five miscarriages in the last year in my circle of of people, and so you know, I'm just like, what do I do? So, and I think, you know, we all have experienced um, being the friend or a family member. So, so can you give us some advice on how we should um, love on our, our friends and family? Yeah. So a lot of times you feel ignored because you know it makes people uncomfortable. You know it makes people feel bad. And so you feel like this, like almost, infected person like you got leprosy or something Mm. that nobody Mm. wants to catch it from you (laughs) or because they don't know what to say they're like "Eh, we're gonna go on that other side of the road Mm -hmm. Uh, so you do feel that way a lot so the people that are are willing to jump in that foxhole with you that are willing to sit with you when you when you start crying those are the friends that oh man like those were gold in, in my times of being willing to acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the thing that I that people said to me that I so much appreciated was like any variation of, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or that's really hard or mm-hmm. man, that's awful. I'm so, so sorry. Mm-hmm. Those are all really good answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just acknowledgement. That acknowledging you're going through a really hard time. Yeah, yeah. Any sort of acknowledgement mm-hmm. was was so treasured mm-hmm. by me, and the the very surprising support that was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting it. Was whenever somebody would like remember a due date. Mm-hmm. So I share with the friends okay I'm pregnant it's really scary here's my due date and then I go and lose the baby and then seven months later I get flowers Mm. and it's like wow wow that's that was powerful that was Mm -hmm. like wow that's a good friend Mm. and we've talked in our support group of people that are willing to say my child's name that are willing to speak of them those are truly valued friends because so many times people are nervous to talk about or to talk about jay yeah oh we had we had jay but jay died mm-hmm. but just to say yeah jay lived mm-hmm. jay was an was a person he is a person mm-hmm. he is in heaven now and and being willing to say that child's name is so powerful to the mm-hmm. to the grieving, um, and just any sort of remembrance. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure in the years to come that Brittany and Josiah are going to do something on Jay's birthday. Yeah, and remembering those birthdays mm-hmm. that he was born, he was born alive, mm-hmm. and he lived. And so any sort of remembrance of that is so powerful okay. to a family. Lori is in the process of uh, we have uh, Jay's handprint. Oh, nice. And so for 2019, she's going to have all the grandkids have their handprint on that. And I think that is so important. And I've talked to other uh, families who, who have lost uh, a little baby. That name, that name is always in the conversation. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate that. That's, that's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. So can you talk a little bit about um, when you um, when you were struggling with, with the miscarriages? Like, how did you feel about – did you feel like a mom? Like, would you say I was a mom? Did you – and did you, like, meet any, you know, pushback on that? Or was that yeah. hard to explain? Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm sure there's women out there that are like, what yeah. do I say? Yeah. You know, that I don't have anything to show for it. So you can right. talk, talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that. 
definitely that is a struggle. Mm-hmm. And it evolved through my journey. And I still probably never give the same answer, mm. depending on the situation. Because even like, even now, I have two living children, and people will say, oh, man, you know, you're going for a third. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I already have more than three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... You know, we, I joke with some of my other friends that have gone through this many times and we're like, yeah, together we're like the Duggars in heaven, man. (laughs) 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 But we can only joke about that, you know, with our, with our group because we understand, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but to the grocery store clerk, I'm not going to give that answer to, um, and I feel guilty sometimes whenever I don't give that full answer Mm. because it feels like, oh, I'm not acknowledging those children that are gone. Mm. And I kind of went, I mulled over that for a long time and went, you know what? I know who they are. I honor them. And I mean, I do still remembered in their memory, mm-hmm. in their honor. They are remembered in our family. It doesn't matter if the grocery store clerk knows about them or not. Right. right. <laughs> And it's not always appropriate for me to stand there for 15 minutes to explain, which might involve crying. And that's just it's just more than we need to go into. And being OK with that is um, is hard. But uh, you, you get there eventually. Right. Uh, so it all depend on who was asking. If it was somebody that I uh, felt safe with, I would be more open. And. I remember going in the hard part of my journey, feeling like I was laying on the side of the road bleeding out and people would walk by and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it'll get better. Like, slap a Band-Aid on it and they're mm-hmm. walking on, on down the road and like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm like really hurting here. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, OK, you're, you'll be OK. See you later. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured out. Through my process of like, okay, who's safe and who's not? Mm -hmm. Those people that that don't want to go there, that aren't willing to get in that foxhole, that aren't willing to to be there in that pain, I just go, nope, I don't have living children. You know, and sometimes just saying I don't have living children rather than saying I don't have children Mm -hmm. was an easy way to be like to myself. I acknowledged it, but I didn't, you know, if they wanted to ignore that, they could, mm-hmm. and it was okay. Um, I, I, again, I, I love uh, of what you've said uh, with all the, um, I want to call them ministries, but the things that you guys have. I, I know, you're, you know you're based in Scripture and, and um, tremendous opportunity to share the gospel mm-hmm. with those individuals going through a challenging time. That's, you know, I think many times— um, when a couple has a baby, they realize, man, this is this is a big deal, and I get to kind of get my act together, and maybe I need to think about God and what's going on here. And that's a lot of times when people will come to church, mm-hmm. when people have a miscarriage and going through uh, just a devastating time. Um, and 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 you know, I, talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, and I'm sitting here, and I, I, I'm honestly feeling guilty because, you know, you were going through a tough time. I was probably talking, hey, how's you ever been to Perry lately, you, right? And you're thinking, <laughs> would he stop saying that? I am dying here, you know, and I'm just thinking about, I'm thinking about that. And church is kind of a hard place to come to sometimes. It can be. We got we to gotta do better uh, in community yeah. to be able to be real and comforting. Uh, to those going through challenging times. Yeah. Well, and as I mentioned, the the ladies group that I was a part of was a huge bedrock for me. And we were also, we've been asked to lead a life group. And that was around the same time as we started having kids. So we were life group leaders during this whole time that we were going through this challenge. And it was always kind of like a, we should, feel, we feel like we should stop doing this because like, what do we have to give? But then it was like, yeah, but these people are, you know, our friends and we really like them. And, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're helpful too. And, 
you know, they're walking with us in this journey, but yet we're supposed to be the leaders. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. Um, but, but those people also, you know, walked through it, kept coming, would listen to our prayer requests week after week after week of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so those, those groups were, were really important to us mm-hmm. during that time. When we went to the Still Remembered Luncheon, um, uh, you had a, a part of the uh, program <clears throat> where um, you were reading a, a scripture or a poem, I can't remember, and there were two uh, mothers who had lost children uh, uh, doing certain things. I think it was a, I can't remember a what they were doing, and a stone, and, yeah, stone and petals, and there was a story that went along with that. And when we walked, so when we walked in, uh, I saw this family there, and my first thought was, why are they here? What are they doing here? And then I saw the daughter um, go up front, and she was one of the ones who had lost, uh, had a miscarriage, Mm -hmm. and she was putting the petal or or the stone in. And I had done their uh, wedding ceremony. And I went up to her afterwards and said, I am so sorry that I didn't know and I just I I am sorry and she said that's fine you know and then she told me the story but just think about you know uh, the opportunities we miss to really minister to people mm-hmm. uh, because we, we don't know right now sometimes yeah. it's a situation where people aren't comfortable sharing it. and I think sometimes yeah. a lot of miscarriages are kind of suffered in silence mm-hmm. but particularly back 15 years ago you even talk about it that was one right. of the uh, one of the things we learned at still remember project is is there was a, a lady saying you know I, i'm i've grieved for a lot of years over the children that i i miscarried but we didn't even talk about it then thankfully mm-hmm. you know you can talk about it now mm-hmm. so i just think um for us and and i thank you guys for your ministry because it it opened our eyes to say Man, we we got to be more conscious about um, and open about what's going on, and really reach out to those hurting uh, in a in a more um, uh, significant way. And there's this great ministry called Still Remember Project, and we've already got you hooked up with some people, and mm-hmm. and they've gotten help through that. So that's been pretty cool. So, man, I, I again, I can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, you coming in and sharing your story. So appreciate Still Remembered Project. And again, we have all the links uh, on the uh, podcast notes so that you can go, uh, those listening can go check out your website. And before we go, uh, I'd like for you to pray, to pray. And I'd like you to pray for um, that mom out there who has just lost their little baby. Uh, Maybe miscarriage, maybe stillborn, uh, maybe you know, didn't live very long after yeah. he or she was born. You know how to pray for that person. Yeah. So if we could, uh, if we could wrap up today, and if you could pray for that uh, individual, those individuals, I would, uh, I'd appreciate it. Heavenly Father, we come before you as you are the giver of life. You have given each of these children their time here on this earth. They are miracles, no matter how long they live on this earth, whether they live only in the womb or if they are welcomed into the world, they still were here and they are gifts from you. Lord, I pray for those that have, have grieved their children that are hurting, that are in pain. Lord, I, I know how brokenhearted they are, and I pray that you would bind up their wounds and be, be the salve that, that brings healing. And I pray that they would keep searching after you even when it seems dark, even when they seem like they're alone. Lord, I pray that you would make your presence known to them 
that you would sustain them in that in that wilderness, in that dry time. And Lord, f- help them find find deeper relationship with you and in time see the fruit that you will bring from it. Even if they cannot see it right now, even if they cannot see it tomorrow. But encourage them to keep seeking after you because you will bring beauty from pain, no matter what that looks like. And Lord, we, we pray for those, those grieving parents and that you would just comfort them and sustain them. And Lord, I, I pray that you would give extra special hugs to those children in heaven that um, their parents miss them so much. <laughs> and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we just heard about an amazing part of Amanda's story, but her journey is just beginning. While the loss of a baby is something no mother or family should have to endure, it is with open arms and humble hearts that the Still Remembered Project offers support and heartfelt sympathy for your loss. Your baby will always be remembered. If you'd like more information about the Still Remembered Project, visit stillremembered.org. Thanks for listening to Fresh Faith. We'll see you next time. Thank you.